0: Hi everyone, welcome to Steps Audio Channel. We are very excited to share our content from Steps events to learn all about the latest trends in startups, digital media, fintech, future tech, and wellness in emerging markets. You can find us on Enagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite channel and we hope you enjoy the content. Good afternoon, everybody. I think I've, I know quite a few people. I've been around in the startup world for, for over 10 years, so it's always good to see everybody. And uh, this is one of the first times for me that I'm moderating a panel, so I'm very excited about it. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Lulu Khazan. I've been an entrepreneur for uh, for quite some time. I had a tech startup called nebbish.com, which is an online freelance marketplace. And uh, for the past three years, I've also been doing angel investments. I have an angel syndicate called Kickstart Ventures, where we invest in early stage uh, tech startups, uh, mostly in the region, but also some globally. And I also have a podcast called Conversations with Lulu, where I interview mainly startup founders from the region, and we talk about uh, the person behind the, the success, and we try to understand you know, how they become as uh, successful as they are. So. For this panel, um, it's a a very interesting topic because we're going to talk about, you know, expanding beyond funding because we all know that funding is, in my view, it's an art. Um, As a founder myself, I know that knowing when to fundraise is is a very important step, how much to fundraise, uh, who to bring in as investors, uh, and so all of these are, are very important, and then you have obviously to negotiate the valuation, live up to that valuation, and then you're on the fundraising again. But the topic for this, uh, for this panel is, you know, scaling beyond the fundraising. So now that we have the money, you know, what do startups do next now that the money is in the bank? So for that, I'd like to invite my guests, uh, Omar Rifai from uh, Grubtech. Yeah. And... Elliot Dunham for, uh, from DTech Ventures, and Christos Mastoras. Come on,
1: applaud a little bit, a little okay. bit of energy, please.
0: Uh, Christos Mastora, Mastoras from Elliot Partners. So, nice to see you guys. Thank you. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive right into it. I think I'm going to want to start with the entrepreneur uh, who has recently closed a very big uh, funding round. Uh, a $13 million Series A. Congratulations. Thank you. So, uh, Omar, just to introduce you briefly to the to the crowd, we uh, Omar is the co-founder and chief growth officer at GrubTech, which is a restaurant SaaS and fintech platform launched in Dubai uh, late 2019, early 2020, uh, with clients in 15 different markets. Uh, Omar was also a seed investor at Icon, which is a cloud startup uh, sorry, cloud kitchen startup that was sold to Reef Technologies in uh, 2021. Congratulations. Thank you. And prior to becoming an entrepreneur, Omar was in private equity for 16 years. Uh, and he's, a, he's an avid world traveler, having, having traveled 47 different countries. So. Yeah. Welcome, Omar.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
0: So, so let's start with the obvious question. Now that the money is in the bank, um, what are you focused on next uh, with your team? And maybe perhaps introduce Grub- Grubtech as well for, uh, for the audience.
2: Sure. Thank you very much. So Grubtech is an all-in-one platform for the modern F&B uh, operator. Uh, we basically provide technology solutions that encompass the full 360 degree uh, view of an operation. Everything from online ordering, payments, pay by QR code, to sophisticated kitchen management solutions in the back of the house. And we recently raised uh, our Series A, uh, announced in December uh, 2021. And we are now ready to kind of take GrubTech to the next stage. Uh, before I get started about how we are approaching funding, can I just get a show of hands, how many um, uh, startup employees or founders are in the room?
0: Wow.
2: Great, and how many investors or ecosystem enablers are in the room? Okay, fantastic. So we view scaling um, across three different pillars. Uh, initially, uh, very much focused on product, and this could be uh, modifications, enhancements to existing products or the creation of new products. In a second silo, we look at geographies that we want to expand to. And in the third silo, which is equally as important and sometimes uh, overlooked, is the human capital required to execute on the first and second uh, strategies. Uh, On the product front, uh, we, we very much try to have a prioritization of what we want to build. For people in the startup community, you'll know that there's a lot of creativity uh, within organizations. Uh, You definitely have to uh, prioritize uh, when you execute on certain products, because there's just simply limitations, whether we like it or not, from a technology and, and, and product human capital standpoint. On the geography front, that's another important subject, because sometimes we build products and we have the funding to go to multiple geographies simultaneously, but we also need to scale it back and consider the return on investment, uh, the return on time, and the practicality of executing in, in new geographies. And on the third silo, when we look at human capital, uh, this is very important, it's all about timing and when we could actually uh, execute on building out the team that's required. And that that tends to be somewhat tricky because you, without a doubt, have a plan of how you want your org structure to look like, but you're a little paranoid to start executing on that until money is in the actual account.
0: And we're we're gonna talk about that. I have a question uh, on that for you, but but a quick question on that. Do you, do you allow yourself, like, can you allow yourself to make mistakes when you're, like, when you talk about your product roadmap, right? So now the money is in the bank, you have several things probably that you want to execute on. So how do you, I mean, how do you make these decisions? Let's talk on operations, uh, product side.
2: Yeah, great question. And we, we encourage making mistakes. Uh, you're not going to be able to get innovative and creative in your product unless you acknowledge that you're not going to get it right the first time. Uh, you obviously want to avoid missing the mark entirely, and that's why a little bit of balance with some financial metrics and estimates as to what the return on that product may be. But without a doubt, we don't want anybody holding back from executing or designing a product that we think has long-term potential simply because they're worried about oh, you know, the failure rate of, of that, that product.
0: And, and for a post-series A, uh, because that's where you are, right? So for a post-series A, is the money, is the use of funds going mostly still on product? Or is it going to go more towards marketing and growth and, and, and all of that?
2: So we're very much a product-led organization. Uh, we have a huge tech team and two uh, dev hubs. Uh, so the bulk of our money goes towards engineering and product. We are uh, slowly increasing uh, the percentage of our, our, say, monthly burn on marketing and sales. Uh, you know, full disclosure, we probably should have done that a little bit sooner because right now we have a comprehensive set of products and we're just now starting to push it out into the market a lot more aggressively. Uh, we could have probably done that you know, two or three months ago, but it goes back to, okay, when do you sit there and populate your, your whole sales organization? Do you wait till the money hits the account or do you start doing it two or three months before you think the money will hit the account?
0: How many engineers
2: do you have? Uh, we have a total of 90 at the moment. 90? Between engineering and Nine product. Nine zero. Nine zero.
0: Wow. So yeah. it is definitely a product it's, organization. We're
2: very, very deeply entrenched in building out innovative technology uh, for, for this particular industry.
0: Okay, great. We'll, we'll get to human capital in a little bit because Absolutely. I know that uh, there's something we want to talk about. Elliot, uh, Elliot, I'll introduce you briefly as well to everybody. Elliot heads up the startup program called Sandbox at d Ventures, and he also oversees their investments in startups. Mm-hmm. Uh, D-Tech Ventures have invested in over 30 startups uh, in the past five years, and their sweet spot is usually uh, uh, post-seed and Series A. Um, um, uh, life cycle with uh, ticket sizes of 100,000 to a million dollars. Correct.
3: That, that's correct.
0: Uh, Elliot is also a world traveler, a lure, an, an avid um, sky, um, kiteboarder, right? Yep. And uh, and all of that. Very interesting. Very interesting person. So Elliot, um, you 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 are an investor, but you're also an enabler. And what you wanted to do with DTech Ventures is you wanted to set up a program for startups because you weren't necessarily very happy with what's on, on the market and you wanted to create something that's more uh, longer term, if I understand correctly. So can you tell us a little bit about Sandbox and and what is the value that you believe you offer beyond, uh, beyond funding?
3: Yeah, of course. So um, I absolutely love kite surfing. I also rock climb and do a lot of other sports. Um, but in terms of Sandbox, we... <coughs> So so, so with Sandbox, we've basically got a hypothesis. The hypothesis is that the programs we've offered in the past and or on the market can be improved. And so what we did is we literally tore up the playbook as to how such programs are uh, run and deployed. And we thought two things. Number one, what do founders need and how can we resource that in a timely manner? And number two, how can we block any distractions from number one? And so we've built found, uh, we've built sandbox uh, as a program, which is twelve months long, and I'll go into reasons why in a second. With with founders in mind, it's not about me or our team or D or D Tech Ventures. It's about founders, and that starts from the moment that we that uh, a founder applies. And in fact, we don't even have a deadline for when they can apply. It's a complete rolling application based upon. Um, relevancy and timeliness for the the applicant and the founder to apply if we set an arbitrary deadline by way of example then we miss out on potential quality and also the founders miss out because they might have to wait say 3 6 12 months uh, in terms of why we've picked 12 months ultimately it allows plenty of time to test iterate try fail uh, fail fast and learn and we've built sandbox around a a, a, a con- like we, we, we've started from the content perspective and worked backwards. And so the sandbox is built around six pillars, very deliberate pillars, things that we, based upon our hypothesis as VCs and ex founders, believe uh, founders and their teams require. And those six pillars are as followed number one, product development and technology. Number two, traction. The third is scaling. The fourth is finance. The fifth is legal. And the sixth most uniquely is wellness because objectively in our portfolio and in many portfolios around the world the businesses that have lower attrition rates um, high retention happy customers happy employees enjoyable um, working environment perform better and so that's what we've that's what we Developed with Sandbox. We launched at Jitex on the 17th of October. Uh, we had over 600 applications since then. Um, it's been very, very busy shortlisting. And 12 who have been selected and shortlisted are presenting outside. And you know, don't take my word for it. Go and speak to them and, uh, um, and, and see you know, how they're getting on.
0: And is it stage agnostic?
3: Like what stage? Yeah, it's, there's only two or three mandatory things. Number one is that you are at MVP stage, so you've got some form of of product. You don't have to be commercialized and you don't actually have to have a business license. Number two, you're based in the UAE because the program is based in person. And number three, um, you're technology driven, not necessarily technology enabled, i.e. I sell shirts on Instagram via Shopify, no. It, uh, okay. hardcore technology. And Everything else, whether you're a solo founder, co, uh, co-founder, whether you've got a team, whether you've got a business license, whether you're, uh, you're commercialized or not, um, is, is up for uh, evaluation. But generally, we're looking at uh, the, the, the businesses that sort of fall into that criteria are, are pro- around pre-seed, definitely pre-series A. Okay.
0: Do you take equity in
3: the businesses that you support? or uh, So... What's offered, in summary, is 200 hours of workshops, over 100 hours of one to one with practitioners who work on your business. I.e., you need two hours with a graphic designer, we pay for that. You need five hours with a copywriter, six okay. hours with an iOS developer, we, we, we pay for that, amongst many, many other perks which are available online. But in terms of equity, uh, we take 2.5% post-money preferred shares in return for $50,000 US as an equity warrant, which means we have the option but not the obligation to invest. So, just to be transparent and clear, that doesn't mean you get if you get accepted to Sandbox, that does not mean you get $50,000 on day one. It's at many uh, discretion of, of a few milestones.
0: Okay, so all the early sandbox. stage uh, startups, you should definitely connect with Elliot. With pleasure. Okay, well Christos, uh, old friend, we've been also, one of the uh, you know the people that have been around uh, with me for quite some time now, so good to see you again. Christos is the founder and managing partner of Iliad Partners. It's a venture capital fund that's based in the UAE and invests in early stage startups in the MENA region. Uh, he's made some uh, pretty interesting investments, uh, which I think we we'll, we we'll talk about some of them on this panel and. Uh, And he's also a former entrepreneur. He's uh, helped build and exit four different businesses, uh, one in the UAE being Glambox, and uh, three others outside of the region. He's also on the board uh, of several startups and the board of the Middle East Venture Capital Association. So Christos, as as both an entrepreneur and an investor, I think you've you've also had the opportunity to witness, I think maybe some brilliant founder moves uh, across the years. So maybe if you can share with us a few stories of, um, of you know, some, yeah, some brilliant founder moves that have kind of helped them uh, either uh, work on challenges or go to the next level.
1: Absolutely. So I guess just to, thanks for that great intro. I, I just want to compliment that with saying our focus is typically uh, entering and investing at the pre-Series A stage and then following up uh, in the Series A and really Going hands-on, leveraging our entrepreneurial background and operating experience, uh, and being hands-on and getting startups to Series A and, and beyond. And that I guess links back to, to my background. And I think I, I'm fortunate to have had that entrepreneurial and operating experience, which now I can apply on the investor side. Um, but to answer directly your question, you know, I think um, from the outside, entrepreneurship and startups looks like something very glamorous. But typically the people who succeed, you know, it's not about one or two heroics, it's not about achieving one big milestone, it's just, you know, pursuing excellence and working hard every every day. And it's, it's tough, you know, it's, uh, it's hard work, it's not sexy. So I think it's just repeated hard work and excellence on glamorous work over time, and it's typically the ones who are quiet then that emerge with success. Um, and I guess tying back that, you know, I, 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 I want to make sure I answer your question. I've, I've seen a lot of great founders, I think we've invested in some of them. I, I think mean, we can share, right? I
0: mean, one of your, the startups you've invested in is Trucker. Yes. Which has recently announced a 93, correct? 96. 96 million dollar series B. Series B, yeah. And you've been with Trucker since the early days.
1: Since the early days. So I think actually that's a good example because it shows exactly the playbook we do and I think it shows how investors for example, us can help startups. So we entered, we invested in Trucker um, at their pre-Series A. We we uh, we led that, and we like to build the relationship with founders well in advance of investing. So I actually had known, known Gaurav for a, a couple years, um, and but you know, in line with the the panel, the work started after we invested, not before. So that was just the start. So we went in and we had sort of a, a very specific playbook. Um, You know, I won't be sharing any confidential stuff, but we had four things we wanted to achieve. We wanted to, first of all, build their finance function and, you know, build that infrastructure that will enable them to go and raise a Series A because you do need that infrastructure, whether it's the, the talent, the people, the leadership. Uh, but also the reporting tools, um, you know, the budgeting processes, et cetera. And it, it's not, again, not glamorous work, but it really helps you be prepared for that Series A. Number two, uh, one of the things that investors do and what we do is we help startups expand from their home con- uh, home market into the next market. So we we help them enter the, the Saudi market. Uh, as a B2B company, we made sure to in- introduce them to a lot of different clients uh, that really helped propel their their revenues, and then we then participated in their Series A and doubled down, and also helped them raise capital from some great investors like you know STV, IFC, and you know and a bunch of others that were already there. Um, so I think it's just you know being persistent, focused, having a strategy, building a sustainable business from day one, and I think especially today that entrepreneurs have the choice to pick their their investors and not the other way around to pick the investors that will help you and look for the investors who can add the value you need. And I think that's fundamentally uh, important. And I think, you know, Trucker has a case study what they've achieved. I mean, they went from the Series A then to the Series B. They raised one of the biggest venture debt uh, rounds, um, one of the biggest Series B rounds. But more importantly, they went from a small startup in UAE to being throughout MENA, throughout Central Asia and, uh, and other places. Um, and I think the credit doesn't, go at all to the investors, it goes to the entrepreneurs who are focused, resilient, hard work, building a sustainable business, and building revenues month in, month out, and doing a lot of sacrifices in the So it's in the, the grind,
0: there's no brilliant moves, or there's no heroics, as you there said, it's, it's doing the, the same, better and better every day, small steps.
1: I mean, there's always, there's always like some you know, really cool moments where you're like, okay, wow, I, I, I achieved that. But, I, I, you know, I think Omar can probably back me up on this and say, you know, it's really not those glamorous moments. It's more about the everyday, you know, excellence is a process. It's, a, it's not a destination, so.
0: Okay, so let, let's talk a little bit about uh, about that. I mean, it's, you know, it's people, right? You, you talked about people, and it's uh, it starts with great founders, and as you scale, you know, it's that middle management layer, potentially, it's, 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 the, the rest of the people, right? And maybe less so the founders as the company grows. So what are, like, you, you mentioned to me when we spoke earlier that you had, you know, challenges on, uh, on finding people and recruiting people. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think this is um, something that's very um, you know, dear to us at, at GrubTech. I mean, a couple of things we did as founders when we first kind of joined. We said, look, we will always try to recruit people that are smarter than us. Um, the, the second thing we really focused on is culture because you could get the money, you could go hire the team, which itself is a challenge, uh, but at the end, if you don't have the right culture, you're not gonna retain that team and you're not going to attract like-minded people. And this goes back to Elliot, your point about wellness. I think this is not overlooked by startups, but there's so much going on, right? That sometimes you could lose focus about the culture of the organization that's being built. I mean, these are organizations, in some instances, that are going, you know, raising $100 million in like three years, it's, it's big, it's, it's huge. So for us, um, if you talk about scaling and you talk about uh, human capital, the first thing you need to really focus on is Are you defining the culture? Are you building the culture? And are the people you're hiring adhering to that culture? Do they fit in?
0: Let me stop you because I think we we talk about culture all the time and culture is this broad, term That everybody kind of
2: talks about. What does culture mean to you? So, it's a uh, fantastic question because we sat there and we, we, we did this survey within GrubTech. Define the culture. So, the first thing you got to find out is what kind of a culture. You might have a view on what the culture is as yes. a founder that you're trying to build and it, it's trickling down, but there might be a, an entirely separate view by the person that just walked in through the door a month ago. Uh, so, you have to literally define like the tenets. And it's not a good or bad, it's not a value system. There's a lot of confusion about what your values are versus what is the culture, and I like to give analogies about just like, look, when you go to the States, there's a certain culture, it's not right or wrong, there's just certain things they do, there's a certain way they interact with each other, there's a certain type of features around that community, and that's different than when you go to China, right? But it is a culture that's defined, so that is how we define culture, it's how we do things on a day-to-day basis, it's how we interact with each other, it's what things we like to, how we work, and how we treat each other, for instance, and more importantly, how we treat our stakeholders. Right? It's not just about okay, you go to work. You're interacting with customers. You're interacting with investors all the time. And for us, that's how we define uh, culture at GrubTech. And I think it's an essential step to this whole concept of building out, you know, a solid team. You hear a lot of startups complaining about, you know, the lack of access to, you know, good talent in the region. That is somewhat true, um, and it, it is. Uh, uh, what I, you know, we always as founders get together and say, what are we doing right, what are we doing wrong? What, what could we have done differently? Uh, because let's be honest, nothing is done perfectly, right? And one thing we always, we always come back to the drawing table on is, you know, we are bringing the, the right type of talent through the door. Uh, we are definitely harnessing a great culture that we're proud of, uh, but we're doing it a little later than we would have wanted to, um, because of how long it takes to find the right people. So if we could go back in time, whatever org structure we have for the different kind of teams and pods, I would have probably said, okay, why don't we start on it three months before, or even six months before. Uh, not so easy to do when you, don't, you, know, you have limited amount of capital, so you have to prioritize, but you can put in a little bit of effort and try to you know, time it so that you are hiring as soon as the funds hit the account instead of doing it in sequence.
0: What, uh, what type of talent do you struggle with the most to how to find?
2: at the senior level no. uh, a lot on the, the revenue side so sales marketing um, on the engineering side
0: so across the board
2: it's it's across the board we have a lot of good talent um, in the UAE but it depends on the business model what's nice about what's happening in our ecosystem is your you you know let's be honest 10, 7 8 years ago it was a copycat model okay today you have some really innovative companies and they're doing things a little bit differently you know we're a SaaS company there's not that many out of them here in, in the region. So it's not like I could go and ask a recruiter or go on LinkedIn and look at the top 10 SaaS companies, you know, based in okay. Dubai or Saudi Arabia. You have to look abroad.
0: Okay, Elliot, what do you think uh, founders should do to, to sort of prepare themselves for scales? I mean, you're, you're working with them now at an early stage.
3: I think. Are there pillars? I think I can supplement what Omar mentioned. Um, perhaps by alluding to things that they do that they shouldn't do. And that is uh, not recognize the wood from the trees because they're so involved day in and day out. And consequently, that leads to uh, what they could do, which is set up processes and systems... Uh, which include people, by the way, like advisors or uh, accountants that they check in with every, every week or every month, to keep them accountable such that um, they're able to take that step back and have that perspective on a regular basis. It sounds obvious. You know what? Probably most of you in the audience are thinking, are you serious? I came, came just to hear that. But it, it, it's true. And it's, it's ever so uh, pertinent with, um, with early stage entrepreneurs who have demands left, right and centre, 360 degrees from every direction around them um, and every minute of the day, let alone every hour. And so being able to systemise um, processes early means that as you scale, you've got a playbook um, whereby you're not breaking at the seams. I'm sure you've ex- perhaps experienced that. And secondly, um, it, it means that you are able to basically track progress um, and, and see where you're at today and then where you're, where you're, where you're going, where you've been. Yep. Uh, the, the fact that Omar mentioned he has regular meetings with his co-founder about what are we are doing right and wrong. That's, that, that's the time, the headspace, to be able to take that step back and look at the broader picture. Um, amongst many other things, but I would say that would be yep. try uh, uh, and allow yourself the time to differentiate the wood from the trees whilst building systems and processes that will allow you to scale without breaking at the seams.
0: I would add to that, actually, find good lawyers and, and uh, from, from the early, early days and pay them well. I think lawyers are, are very important.
3: Worth their weight in gold, the right
0: one. So, so to, ra- to wrap up, uh, Christos, we, I asked you earlier about... Um, about like brilliant moves. What about stumbles? You've, you've witnessed some stumbles as well. Yep. Um, so talk to us, like what, what goes wrong? You know, what, what happens? Even when you have the money.
1: Yeah. No, so um, actually, Walid Faza from MSA this morning said something that really resonated at a macro level, and he said, you know, everything's fine when everything's going well, but then when there's gonna be a downturn in the market, like people need to be patient. And that is true at a micro level as well. Like, you know, it's not always um, good times. There's difficulties. So I think, um, you know, you know, we've, we've had our, our fair share of, of failures and difficulties. Like, you know, we were early investors in Fetcher and we saw that whole life cycle. But I think it's important to learn from these mistakes and see what can be done differently in the future, right? So I think there's... A whole mix of of, of conclusions that can that can be drawn, um, whether it's um, you know building a sustainable business from the beginning, making sure the unique economics make sense, uh, making sure that you're not funding new customers based on raising equity, which is can be catastrophic, um, you know timing your funding right. So. Funding is not a one-time thing, right? So you raise uh, some funding, you grow, you raise some more funding, and now I think startups are are fortunate to have more choices in VCs and other types of investors, but also different types of fundraising. So, like, you have the equity, you have the debt, right? So it's, it's both an art, a, art and a science. Um, so I think... Um, there's also an element of luck. I mean, you know, there's there's startups that we invested in that had term sheets from world-class investors and they chose to wait and, and then, you know, next thing you know, it, it didn't work out. So there's this element of luck. But I think just to kind of really distill some of the characteristics, this is like non-quantitative analysis. It's more of me, you know, having the opportunity to speak to, you know, many hundreds of founders over the last, you know, five years. Some of the characteristics that sort of, you know, resonate with me and I think can be ingredients for success. I think, you know, um, obviously, you know, hardworking, people who are resilient, people who are patient. Um, and I say this in a humble way, but, you know, founders who are open and willing to take feedback, it doesn't mean investors know better, but the way people respond to that feedback is important because maybe that feedback can save you or help you or make you a unicorn, etc. Um, and then I think one thing we learned during COVID is that you need that resilience and you need to be in the trenches. And that's, you know, uh, and I think that resilience really helps. I hope that answers your question.
0: It does. I just wanted to uh, um, maybe one more point because when we, when we discussed it, you said something very interesting to me. You said Fetcher was a different company, like yes. part one and part two. Yeah. And you said that part one that was.
1: Uh, I can. I can, uh, can. you please? In one because line. Because I
0: think that's that was like really interesting and not many people know. it. Yeah. So.
1: so without breaching any confidentiality, but I think it's interesting for the to the people in the market to know. Like there was Fetcher 1.1, 1, 1, uh, 1.0, and that I think was just it, it was a it was a it was a great uh, company in a great space. I mean, Last Mile, when Last Mile didn't exist, you know, e-commerce, right? Um, but unfortunately, the company was being built in an unsustainable way, and it just, you know, it didn't, uh, it, it, the model had to be fixed and it wasn't fixed, and then they didn't raise money on time and, and, and they unfortunately went bust. Fletcher 2.0 was exactly, in many ways, the opposite. It was a very sustainable business. It was not a sexy tech startup, it was almost like old school logistics, you know, very senior management. But that was a case where a number of factors happened, including that they didn't raise the amount needed to execute the business plan, and they ran out of money. Um, Very two different, almost two different companies. So I think there's a lot to learn. I don't think we should dwell on the failure, but we should learn and make make sure these things don't happen in the future again. And so, you know, I think also entrepreneurs can benefit from the learnings. And there's a lot of learnings there. We could have like a couple of hours session on that alone i'm
0: sure i'm sure someone will uh will eventually. Or write a book maybe I don't yes know. Uh, 10 years down the line <laughs> yeah. all right thank you so much everybody we had a great panel uh, sorry you. no time for questions we're, we're out of time but it was great having you we'll,
2: we'll it. be around if anybody has any questions thank you thank talk. you very much
0: <laughs> thank you for tuning in we hope you enjoyed the episode you can find our content on an spotify and apple podcast follow us on social media at step conference and let's stay in touch